Welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sonnet Simmons. And I'm John Kleinbaum. Each week we sit down with top professionals in the sync world to discuss their experiences and offer inside insights on what it takes to play song to picture. From music supervisors to ad agency executives, from trailer houses to indie artists racking up licenses with their music, we'll be talking to all of the people who make the sync magic happen. Music is the backbone of a successful film or TV show. It's all about finding the right fit for the right song for the right moment. I think the key to success in music licensing is really building relationships. If you're passionate about music and the business behind making compelling media, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we dive into the fascinating world of sync and explore it with the people it takes to make it all click. The Music Licensing Podcast, where business meets the art of storytelling and media. If you love our podcast, please consider being a patron for $3 a month. It will get you inside scoops behind the scenes, early access to some of the episodes, and helps keep the lights on over here for the podcast. All you have to do is go to musiclicensingpodcast.com and you can donate $3 a month and you are a patron. Thanks so much. Hey friends, welcome back to the Music Licensing Podcast. We are so excited to sit down with Jennifer Smith today from Rat Dance Party. She goes into detail upon detail of what it means to be a music supervisor. What are all the hats you really wear? How do you navigate the different nuances of it? And how does picture really work with music? What are the details of all of that? Not only does she go into the job of the music supervisor, but she goes into the depth of what is not usually talked about in terms of pay and benefits and rights of the music supervisor and how we can all really get involved to support and advocate for music supervisors to really get the same rights as everybody else that they work with on the projects that they're working on. Um, It's a deep conversation. It's a phenomenal conversation. I love how articulate she is. She brings to light things that we just don't hear in a lot of these conversations. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome, Jennifer. Today, we're sitting down with Jennifer Smith from Rat Dance. We are so excited to have this moment to have some face-to-face with you, get into the nitty-gritty of your life, Um, fun human being who does amazing work in the music industry. You want to take just a moment and give us a little rundown who you are, what you've worked on, how you got to, you know, this present moment of sitting here with us. Sure. Thanks, Sana and John. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, I'm Jennifer Smith. I'm, uh, I have my own music, com- music supervision company, Rat Dance Party. We specialize in TV, film, documentaries, docuseries, new media, basically, you know, a rat of all trades. <laughs> um, I'm actually a theater kid. So my background starts in theater. Um, Because I am a sonic storyteller, so I really feel it's important to talk about my theater background because it helped me really tap into story and character and, you know, words and everything that's in between. So I come from a theater background. I've always wanted to work in entertainment, but, uh, you know, I am older than I look, good jeans and sunscreen. (laughs) And back in the day, there was this, um, you know, 
getting hired was a little bit different. There weren't internships the way there are today, which I highly recommend people take advantage of. There wasn't, you know, music supervision wasn't really a thing that you heard about. I mean, film schools don't really teach it or talk about it that much, to be completely honest. Uh, I kind of fell into it. I started my career working for Evan Greenspan, which was an amazing first job. So I got to work on Dancing with the Stars, America's Best Dance Crew, The Ellen Show, which was amazing back in the day. This is pre-scandal, never asked me about it because I was not there during when anything went down. So no salacious stuff on this side. Uh, and so really working at with Evan and learning and listening, right? I was in a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of great people worked there. I just kind of, you know, took it in and everything. So I worked, I was there for about, I think it was four years or something. I can't, I can't even remember time flies. And then this little teeny tiny little company called Cobalt Music that no one's ever heard of. Like, I know it's super freaking indie, right? Um, they reached out, they were building their, their US team more. I started there when they were super independent on Sunset Boulevard, back when Sunset was still a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really worked, I call that my masterclass. I really got to learn about the other side of music, which is publishing, copyright, A&R, um, working with different music supervisors, studios, networks on a different side. But my heart has always been in storytelling. So I really missed on this side of of the industry and American Idol um, kept calling me and saying, would you join my team? And I just wasn't ready. And then I was ready to come home. So I joined the American Idol amazing music team when it was their first season on ABC. And then I was there for one season and I just, you know, I just was ready to, you know, continue continuing building my craft. And when you work on a giant show like Idol with an amazing team and amazing people and everything in between, you can't work on multiple projects or, you know, you kind of have to stay in there. So I made the decision to jump and start Rat Dance Party. So I have worked on things like Cribs, Why Women Kill, which is Mark Cherry's show, which is um, he was the creator of Desperate Housewives. I did Deadly Illusions on Netflix. I do all of Kiss and Tails films. Uh, I do behind the music. I, I'm just like thinking it's er, it's early. I mean, I feel like you can Google it and it's also going to continue to grow. So I feel like by the time I talk about something, it's like, you know, there's like six things that are already coming out. <laughs> that is how it works. You're like the because you're always like, working on stuff. It's always coming out. You're And then there's a thing. Yeah. I mean, your list is long. I love here. I didn't know about the idol piece of this. I mean, you, I, yeah. I mean, well, how do you fit all of that into your life? Like this is a massive, you're like, I was here and then I helped Cobalt. And then I was on idol for their very first episode. No, for no, when um, they were on ABC, when their first season of ABC. So they oh, originally okay. were on Fox for you know, it, that and it. then they moved to ABC, which they're currently on now. Got it. But it was like their first season on ABC. So I don't know what number I can't remember what number that translates to. But I always say first season of ABC because it was a different network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, I kind of remember that shift at some point. That's I feel crazy. like that was a long time ago. So, you know, again, people are starting probably going to start doing math soon. Um, <laughs> again, wear your sunscreen. <laughs> I know I've asked you about your like facial products that you love because I know you're also like a whiz and do all your research and know a lot about that. And that's going to be the next thing is Jennifer Smith's facial line. It's, it, yeah, I, skincare I line for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my next question, we recently had you on Get Repped, which is our conference with a bunch of different supervisors or not Get Repped, sorry, um, Souptacular. 
different conference where we were talking about <laughs> different supervisors and you really stood out by sharing some insights and getting into things that we just never heard shared the way that you did articulated the way you did and I would love to kind of dive into that conversation here a little bit what would you say maybe the, a good like thread to just kind of start opening that piece is what is the job of a music supervisor oh because you illuminated all the different hats and the different pieces of the job that I think some people are like, oh, they just pick the music and it goes in the show. Well, that's like, uh, I call that the million dollar question because it's funny. A lot of, a lot of um, people are like, I know what a music supervisor does. And then a real music supervisor starts talking about their job and they're just like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Um, I'm going to start with the caveat that each project is unique and different and the needs are unique and different. But a music supervisor, we are, you know, we're we're a department head in the sense of, you know, for the music. Um, We do the business side. We do the creative side. Anything that's an on-camera, we handle. An on-camera is if you see someone like singing, dancing, sign language to a song, any of those things, that's called an on-camera that needs to be handled prior to filming or shooting. So we have to do all the prep, make sure the business is handled, meaning is the song cleared? Um, Do we have musicians? Do we need a pre-record? What type of tempo? What are we looking for? Does the actor or actress sing? Um, Can they sing? Do they need a vocal coach? Do we need a demo singer? You know, all these different things. There's so many moving parts just before you get to the shoot. And this is all before we read scripts, we break it down, we do budgets, right? And then once the shooting is all over, then we go into post-production. So that's about, if you're talking about film, you also help temp out the film, right? Figuring out the tone, um, all those different things. You know, if you're lucky to have a music editor, music editors are amazing. They're also very undervalued people as well. Um, they will also lay the music in. For me, um, temping is very important. I think it's important to have those conversations about tone, character, environment. Um, you know, there's songs that are sometimes written into a script, which is extremely important because it's there for a reason. Um, again, music costs money, which a lot of people forget. So things normal, you know, sometimes don't clear. So we have to come up with alts. Um, we have to make sure it's all clear, the cue sheets, the budget, the license, the um, get licensing rolling. Um, P.S. It's not a music supervisor's job to draft a license. <laughs> that is an added on service. It is not part of the job. Um, so there's just so many moving parts. It's like a multiple thing. Like some projects, you're just doing the stuff in post. We also hire composers. We work with composers. Um, all those different things. We, I call myself a music detective. I call myself a therapist because in a script, if there's a song that's written in and a director or writer is like, I have to have this song and say it's a Beatles song and it's a, it's a smaller film. That's not really going to happen, right? Like music costs money. I'm of the value that I would go out and say and ask because what's the worst? Someone says no. <laughs> That's the worst that happens. I have been pleasantly surprised sometimes, but I'm also very realistic about the world. So I sit and say, okay, let's talk about the song. Why is that song in there? What does it add to the story? Does it add to the character? Does it add to the environment? Like what what about the song is is important? Well, it's nostalgic. Okay, what does nostalgic mean to you? Because all of us have a different viewpoint of what nostalgia means, what retro means. You know, oh, I love retro music. Well, what does that mean? Because everyone has a different 
point of view, has a different relationship. Music is so subjective. So it's part of my job is to really dive in and create a musical language. Jen, the song needs to be more red. Okay, I know what red means to you. <laughs> I got you, right? Or this song, you know, it's just, there's something about it that doesn't seem right. Okay, let's talk about it. What works, what doesn't work, right? If you're a music supervisor, you can't have an ego. You can't, you can't have an ego at all. And it's it's not about me or my musical taste. It's about the story. It's about the character. It's about the vision. You're upholding someone's vision. That's why I call myself a sonic storyteller because music is a character in anything, whether it's reality TV, an ad, any sort of media, it is a character that you have to uphold within someone else's vision. If the sonic character is supposed to be dark and moody with a sense of tense and sparse and evil and all of that, well, we need to talk about that. What is the intention of it? And I think a lot of people think things need to be wall-to-wall music. There's beauty in silence. There's beauty in performance, right? And it's about how does it really bend? How does the music bend to the picture? What does it add? What does it convey? That That's part of my job to help figure out and also to really make sure that the vision of my filmmaker, of my showrunner, of my network, of my production company, whomever I'm working for, is upheld, right? But also I have all of these things in a box, right? Like money, schedule, egos, you know, it's a, my job is also a politician, right? If you have 30 cooks in the kitchen, everyone has an opinion. Music, everyone thinks that they are right. It is the, one of the departments that definitely gets the most like, well, I know what's cool or I know what the kids like or I know what girls like when you have a white male who says that it happens all the time. You know, I know what 13 year old girls like were you ever a 13 year old girl, you know, <laughs> type thing. Um, so it, it's, it's about like sifting through and making sure that everyone feels heard, that their opinion matters. The story and the vision are upheld. It's in budget on schedule. If you're working with composers, making sure it's the right person and the right fit, because not everyone can do everything. If I need someone that is a dark alt electronic pop for a film and someone's like, oh, I can do that. I'm just like, you're not the right fit, right? And that's okay. That's 100% okay. So it's about making sure that the right person, because just like my job with music has to bend, like music has to bend to the picture, right? The picture, the story, the words are the most important. You know, the music is a layer. It's not the main event. It's, you know, the backup singer, but it's important. And sometimes it becomes the main singer, depending on the moment and the emotion. But just like, you know, there's not a right fit for everything sometimes. And it's also knowing when you listen to music and when, does that going to work, right? And sometimes I'll, I'll be like, oh, this song's amazing. I'm looking for a non-romantic love song for this scene, right? And sometimes it fits and sometimes it doesn't because you listen to it and then I throw it to the picture and it doesn't bend right. Or I look at it and I go, you know, this song changes the relationship we're trying to convey in the story. I can't use it right? I can't use it. It's just, sometimes it just doesn't work. Like when you listen to something and when you see it with story, it doesn't work. It changes everything. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I, you know, music supervisors, just playlist. I'm like, I'm not a playlister. I'm a sonic storyteller and music changes everything. Like, for example, if we were had, I don't know, like it's the morning. We're so excited to be here. Everyone's tuning in and listening. And all of a sudden the music is a little dark and foreboding. You're like, 
okay, is this about to turn into a horror film? Because we're giving the audience Sonic clues to a character, a relationship, you know, maybe it's just Sonic and I up here and like, you know, we're just like a little tense with each other and then John pops in and then, you know, we fake it. Like all these little things, they kind of add to things, whether it's a, a single musical note, whether it's an entire song, it's a string of notes, it's a full uh, musical piece. Everything has intention. Music has intention. And it's important to understand what that intention is. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And who knew that the ad casting director to the responsibilities? <laughs> well, of, in a way, you're casting the music for a particular scene. And it's it's just fascinating to hear all the different facets that a music supervisor, the, the job of a music supervisor entails. Yeah. And, and it can be something as you know, a song doesn't fit by two frames. When I worked on Why Women Kill, we had this really amazing scene. Um, Alma walks out and like her beautiful flower gardens completely destroyed, right? And we had this like kind of montage music about her walking out with it. And we spent, I, I can't even, it was like insane the amount of music that we tried to put on there to work. And there was this song, um, that that I would that someone sent me and I was like oh this is so great and I put it to the picture and I was like this is really great it's not bending right <laughs> and so I like the music editor was so talented because like you know I, I mean music editing wise like I'm pretty good where I can be like here's the intention of the story but it takes a real artist to bend music a certain way and I remember he worked he was like I everyone loves this idea Jen I was like it's off by two frames can you please help and he's like I, I can't get it to bend two frames I'm like we can't use it it doesn't work it's off by two frames and everyone was just like oh and we landed up our amazing composer landed up composing a piece for it but that's kind of like how music can you know those little things make a huge difference two frames that's it and it just did not work. And it, it, it was hard. We, everyone was heartbroken because we worked so hard. They're like, I love this. I, I we love this. Like we love And I'm like, it's two frames off. I can't, I can't fix it. I need a professional. And it was just this, it was this, everyone was like, you know, as a group, because I think a lot of people don't realize you work with so many different departments that it's not just you in a silo. Right. And it's just so you know, it's so collaborative. It's such a collaborative thing. It's not like my way or the highway. It's so many different things. I mean, if you have it on camera, you have musicians, sometimes you're dealing with casting, you're dealing with all different types of things. So it, it, it becomes, you know, such a collaborative process. Um, you're working with a choreographer. <laughs> I think the dance background helps with that as well. Um, all those different things. It's, it's so intricate. It's not just like I'm in my little thing. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting in front of my computer because we're remote still, unfortunately, but there's still a collaborative process involved. And, you know, it's it's not about me. It's about the story and someone's vision. Yeah. My gosh. I love how you really get into explaining the depth of it and the like they're the veins like it's not just here's my job here's my lane like there's so many different ways and and talking about how music bends to a scene and for any artists that are listening to you just know like it's about creating the best music because you can never be like I know what those two frames are like um and you mentioned something about how picture and music go together and the tone and the bending of the music to the picture can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, how the two really fit together. 
Sure, of course. So you obviously you have the picture, right? Because what the story that's been edited, it's the most important, right? You have performances that are in there. The story really comes out in post-production. Like if you have a script, you have the story. Then you work with actors, um, you know, or characters, you know, reality TV, again, characters, um, you know, type of thing. We're thinking it is an art form, whether whatever it is. Um, you have these intentions for things, but really the real story comes out in post-production because at the end of the day, maybe the the actor or actress, um, they couldn't get exactly out or they interpret the character as something different, right? So things will change and they come out in post, right? And that gets strung out to the story and the music puts gets put in and it's supposed to add to it. So if we have, say... I don't know, an opening montage, right? Um, Sonnet is riding her bike down the street, you know, type of thing. There's beautiful city. We have, you know, B-roll of the city. She's riding her bike. She's super excited to go, you know, to go to the store, you know, type of thing and have read a book at her favorite coffee shop as she's driving down the street. You know, we have this beautiful music, you know, because again, this is a rom-com that I'm making up right now. And then all of a sudden, you know, her bike falls and she hits, you know, this, this, this man. And then they have a really cute meet cute. And he's like, oh, would you like to go get some coffee? And it turns out they go to the same coffee shop every morning. Right. So there's the scene. Right. And what's the intention of that scene? It's, it's how are two main characters meet for this film? So what's the intention of the opening thing? Obviously, this is a city. So we're going to give it a little bit of city vibes. We also want something that's going to be happy. We want the audience to feel happy and to feel something to sonnet our main character. So as that goes, the music has to bend with that because she's riding a bike. We have movement. The music has to move with her, right? Because it's scoring her journey and her story, right? So it's, let's pretend that in the music, there's there's an instrument that's a little off that kind of makes us do this, right? Right? But as the picture goes, she's riding down the, on her bike. We can't be doing this as an audience. It 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 It, it makes the story do this. It's not bending right. There's something off that's making me as an audience member not connect with Sonnet, not connect with the story, and doesn't give me movement to go along on her journey before we have her little meet cute. So great. Like with the rhythm of the picture and the edits and and, and you know, because the editor did this beautiful job, the camera work did this beautiful job. Yeah. And my job is to not destroy that story, that work, and to create maybe something that as an audience, it's not there. But let's pretend on a juxtaposition that this mute, this this is like a horror film that we don't know turns into a horror film, right? So this mute cute, you think it's there, but sonically we're putting little things to make the audience a little uneasy because we think it's a rom-com. Right. And but it eventually it, we find out it's not a rom-com. This meet cute was a stalker that, you know, and then stuff happens, right? So we have a completely two different stories, but what's the intention of the audience? What's the intention of the story and the characters? Because you can put little Sonic Easter eggs doing in there. I love doing that. On Deadly Illusions, my Sonic Easter eggs was um, children, was children rhymes, right? So they were woven into the score. They're in there. They're like these little Sonic Easter eggs for that. There's another oh. film that will be coming out later that also has Sonic Easter eggs as well. That's like something I enjoy doing as a music supervisor. But again, the Sonic Easter eggs are about the vision and about the intention and about the characters in the story. It can be something as simple as a little instrument. It can be something as a lyric. It can be something as a tone, right? Because I think it's important to have layers in story. 
And what's really great is a lot of um, a lot of my filmmakers really love doing this because they think they're like, this really adds something for an audience and creates conversations because we want to talk about story. We want to talk about characters. We want to talk about all those different things. What character we love, what character we hate, what just happened? Oh, my gosh, did you just watch the new episode of so-and-so? Or why did I have that emotion? Like, that's my favorite thing where people are like, I don't, it was very weird. I was very uncomfortable in that scene. And I'm like, well, I wonder why, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> and that's why it's like fun to work with composers to have these conversations. Like, okay, what do you see? Like, here's the temp score. What, you know, we talk about what works, what doesn't. And it's like, what can we add that adds to the character? What perspective are we from, you know, back to my fake, my two fake films. Are we coming from Sonnet's point of view right now as a score? Are we coming from the the barista's point of view when it comes to score? What what What's the intention of the music? Whose point of view is it? You know, I, I don't think music is just used to lay down to move something. I think that's a waste, a waste of an opportunity and a waste as a storyteller, right? Not just as a sonic storyteller, but also the people who are writing directing, creating, you know, all the departments. It's a waste. It's a complete waste of of story. That's got to be so fun to work with people that are willing to try to give such deep levels to something that for somebody who's just in have the popcorn they're in the theater they're watching this they're just it kind of it might go over their head but it doesn't mm-hmm. quite go over their head it's like there's there's something that gets in there and they're like yeah it feels a little off in that particular situation you should be a screenwriter that was that was really cool you just kind of came up with that on the spot I feel no, like I've I just seen was, that movie was, before or something. you know I just was making <laughs> it up but I, I think that's really important um you know people I think you know music unfortunately sometimes I feel like is the least most important thing but you know it's super important but people don't think about it it's like an afterthought sometimes and so i am lucky when i get to work with filmmakers that really entrust me in understanding their vision and talking to them and you know i ask you know questions that have nothing to do with music all the time you know because we have these deep conversations about story and character also them to understand them because if this is your story your vision and your point of view let's have a conversation right? Oh, I love Girl Riot, you know, Girl Riot Rock. Okay, let's talk about some favorite bands. Oh, when I was 13, I went to, you know, I'm understanding them as a person because when they wrote this, when they're directing this, when they have a point of view, it it, kind of helps me understand them, you know, as a storyteller as well. Or we'll talk about, so you wrote this character. Tell me more about this character. Where did they grow up? Are they, okay, that's great. They're from New Jersey. Now, when they were growing up in New Jersey, in the 80s, were they like a rock person? Were they kind of an outcast? Like what, what's the backstory about these characters that maybe are not written in there? And that helps me figure out, okay, they grew, their dad was, you know, into Bon Jovi and everything. So he has the car still because he's stuck back in his days and his son has to go to school in this car. So a little of that rubs off, right? What does that mean on a tone? Like when I read a script, I hear music, I hear sound effects and I hear tones. And I write those down for every character, every single character. It's just based on what I've what what I'm reading and what I hear. And it could be a drone, it can be an instrument, it can be a type of artist, it you know all these different things. And I write it down. That doesn't mean that's the music being used, but as someone who reads the script, that's what I'm getting. So then when I talk to the filmmaker, I ask all these questions like, "Let's talk about Sonnet, the main character," and we just have these conversations about nothing, but really they're everything for me. 
And then I'll be like, okay, they told me this. And I look at my notes and I go, interesting from the writing, I got a different point of view. And depending on how I feel, because again, I'm a politician, (laughs) sometimes I'll talk about my notes from my intention, my first reading. Sometimes people are open to that and some people aren't. That's why you're a politician. You have to kind of figure it out. Thank you for listening to the Music Licensing Podcast. If you are looking for more information, insights, resources around music licensing, please visit our website, toindie.com. We have a private sync community. We have free bootcamp, 90 minutes. that teaches you everything that you need to know about music licensing. And we put on live events, educational events throughout the year. We would love to have you there, toindie.com. You know, it was really interesting when you talked about just even sound effects that you're coming up with ideas of just sound effects that could be associated with scenes or characters. And how often do music supervisors collaborate with like the sound editor or the, 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 sound the designer? audio effects? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the sound, sound designer. That's it. That's so I think it just depends on the project um, on, on again, um, I'm, you know, for Kiss and Tail, all of their production stuff, all their projects, it's very collaborative and there's an amazing sound designer um, who, who does all this stuff. And we talk about stuff. Like, he'll be like, what do you think, Jen? I'll be like, you know, that kind of thing. Or we'll talk about, is this a music or is this a sound design, right? Element. Cause sometimes people think it's a music element. I go, I think it's a sound design element. And he'll be like, this is a music element. So we really have these conversations. It honestly, it just depends on the project on, you know, I don't personally pick out the sound effects. Like it's just, I hear because sound effects, and music are the same thing in my mind because they are musical notes in my head. A drone, a crash, you know, whatever. It's, you know, yes, I know people say there's drones in music. I'm like, it's also called a sound effect if in a sound effect library, right? Um, all those things just have it, you know, type of thing. And sometimes I'll be like, okay, for sound design, you know, so, sometimes on projects I don't collaborate again every project's unique and different every team's unique and different sometimes things are more collaborative sometimes they're less collaborative that's why every project's unique and different I have just been blessed that uh the projects I've worked on have been with really amazing teams that are super collaborative the network people are collaborative like it's just I have been very privileged in my career so far that you know people entrust in my ideas even if my ideas don't work they still trust in trying them because again, it's never about me. It's never about the music supervisor picking things. I'm not a playlister. I don't do the, you know, fresh finds at Spotify on Friday. Like that's not my job, right? And anyone that says, oh, I'm a playlister, they're not a music supervisor. A music supervisor is a sonic storyteller and it's great. It's a, you get to, it's every day is a new day and a puzzle. It's a mixture of business. It's a mixture of creative. It's a mixture of therapist, detective, <laughs> everything in between you're an important you're a very important team member to a production but it's not about us it's never ever about us that's amazing just reminds me of the the whole ten thousand hours with the beatles and everything like that yeah it's there's literally just everything you've been talking about i can tell us you've really put in the years and years (laughs) of experience and the and and not just the experience but also just the the different facets to the job Mm -hmm. where you can come in and be a valuable part of whatever production is happening it's like you know how to even like you were talking about just you know how to read the room you know how Mm -hmm. to how to work with people and it's 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 just got to be one of those situations where it sounds like you're you're just like right in the place that you're supposed to be in terms of everything it's that's got to be amazing you're working your dream job 
I am working my dream job. It's a very difficult career. And I think people don't talk about how hard it is. It's not, you know, people, they see music supervisor, they think it's super glittery. It's long hours. It's a lot of blood, sweat, lots of tears. Um, unfortunately, um, we also don't talk about this. It's extremely underpaid, um, which, which is a problem. That's why I said, you know, unfortunately, music is the least most important thing. Um, this, this, this is a very difficult craft. It's a very important craft that should be respected more in everything in between, but it's not. I know that's going to change. You know, we are working to create change within our industry, but it is a craft that is not valued the way it should be. And, you know, again, this is a process to con to continue the change. You know, again, people should be paid properly, right? You know, <laughs> I you know, it's ridiculous that you are paid under minimum wage, you go years without pay, there's no, you know, like we have no protections, um, those types of things. And it becomes very difficult and it's not a sustainable uh, career. Like a lot of people have side hustles, right? Because you can't make enough money as a music supervisor because you're not paid properly. You know, you're waiting six months to get paid. Meanwhile, your coworker, your editor, even the PAs get paid weekly or they get paid on time. Like, why do I have to get my lawyer involved to get my check? So by the time I get my check, where's the money, right? So it, it's just, unfortunately, it is something that we don't talk about that we as a, as a community are talking about more that a lot of people say, I want to be a music supervisor. And I'm like, so this is not to scare you. I am telling you the truth of this craft. And it's not for everyone. And it will it will change, but it requires the community coming together, standing together, saying, no, I'm not getting paid $1,000 on a film. I refuse to be paid $1,000, right? This is how much I should be paid. Right. It's about creating those conversations about a payment schedule, about protections, about the same thing the person next to you has. Right. It's about creating that in the community. And I think we don't talk about it enough. And that is something we that don't. music supervisors, they deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I didn't get paid on a film for a year. And by the way, that's OK. Meanwhile, everyone else got paid. Right. right? Or they someone tried to hold up my payment on something. I said, absolutely not. Right. So if you're trying to break in this industry, I get people get desperate. They're like, I need credit so I can get bigger jobs. Sometimes you have to do the I mean, I think in this industry, regardless of what, whether you're a writer, a director, a musician, a, a camera person, what whatever your craft is, you need to do the work. You're you know, it's OK to not be ready. I was mentored by some of the most amazing people out there. Right. And I learned a lot, you know, and I learned a lot when I, when I, when I fell, right. It's okay to fail. It's okay to be fired. It's okay that you lose your job. Productions get shut down. I think another thing we don't talk about is this is a, you are part of a production team. Productions get shut down. There's this thing called COVID. There's a thing called they lost their money, right? I started on a film. They lost their financing. Film is gone right? Sometimes shows get canceled while you're shooting, while you're in post. Like there's so many things outside your control that you always have to understand that every day is a blessing you're working on a project because it could literally be gone. It doesn't mean anything about you. Sometimes schedules get pushed, which means, by the way, it costs a lot of money to, to film something, to put something in post. Every day that you're not on schedule, you're hemorrhaging, the production's hemorrhaging thousands of dollars. Well, if they're so over budget, they have to start making staff cuts. That is very standard. Mm 
It can be anyone from a music super. It can be anyone. Honestly, no one's safe, you know, unless you're the, like probably the director and the main producer. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just understanding that the entertainment industry is not stable. And even if you're on a project, that doesn't mean you're stable. You know, I I have been on scoring stages where I got a call, shut it down. We got canceled. I didn't get the rest of my pay, wow. which again, because I don't have protections, right? Actors get paid out on their contract, whether it airs or not. Music supervisors do not. We don't have the same protections for our job. Wow. This is a, I'm so glad that you are bringing this to the light because it's kind of like one of those things that's like just bubbling up fine, you know, cause it's so glamorized. Oh, you guys are this glamorized position. And then to kind of know what really you are a, an arm that is integral to telling a story mm-hmm. and yet you're not um, getting that same sort of rights and support that other people that you're standing next to on a production are. And yet mm-hmm. you're, you just explain to us all the hats that you wear and all the ways that you hold everybody's ego and everybody's story. And it's not about you. And yet, you know, one thing that should be about you is making sure that you are taken care of and supported for the hours and the work and the talent that you bring to the table. Cause not anybody can be a music supervisor. It's like one having ears, knowing how to navigate politically into all of that, being able to read a room. Like it takes, it, it, it takes really years. takes, a it lot. takes years and people want to jump in. They're like, you know, I, I teach and some people are like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, for this indie pro-. I'm like, also, there's a liability involved. I have to protect my production. There's a liability involved because if anything goes down, you go down. Right. But it, it, it's just it's absolutely insane. So I, I I openly talk about this. There are music supervisors out there that have to make the decision between paying rent eating and health insurance, or I can't get my car fixed because blah, blah, blah. That should not be the reality. People can't retire. No. Uh, you will see GoFundMe things about music supervisors who have passed away and their families cannot afford funeral services. Like this, this is a thing that we yeah. do not talk about because, oh my God, your job is so glittery and so glamorous. It must be so amazing. I love my job. I love my craft. I love everything with it. But there needs to be a systematic change. It's about a systematic change that needs to happen. And that's why we're talking about this more, Mm -hmm. right? It's not taboo. It's not taboo. How much did you get paid on that TV show? Oh, Lee only got paid X. That's ridiculous, right? Because if you put in, you know, if, for example, if you work on a holiday, you don't get paid overtime. Your editor works on a holiday. They get paid overtime if it's past a certain time. If a showrunner calls me at three in the morning, it's okay. They e- like they, you know, that's fine because who who am I? Versus someone else, they they would collect extra money. They would have protections. We we have nothing. We literally have nothing. So <clears throat> this is such an important conversation that we're having that you kind of hear like little rumbling about on Instagram or you know you see an email pop in, but like to hear it from you really like one setting the stage of everything that you're doing and two really giving us an honest view of what it's like behind the scenes what can we do as listeners as people you know listening to the podcast what can our listeners do to to help get behind you and help make the change happen in a in a more expedited way so I, you know, change, systematic change is a marathon, not a sprint, unfortunately. The current culture we live in, everyone's like, I'm going to protest, I'm going to post something, rah, 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 and then it goes away because it's no longer trendy, right? 
You know, think about the press of the Ukraine war, right? How it ebbs and flows and it's no longer trendy and people forget about it. So I think when it comes to systematic change, it's about constantly being aware of these things, right? It's being aware, it's talking about it. If you work in the industry, uh, it's about talking about, hey, did you know our music supervisor doesn't have the same rights as us, right? If everyone's talking about it within the industry and supervisors or aspiring music supervisors, they talk about it, then it becomes a thing. Because again, it is about systematic change and it's a marathon. So aspiring music supervisors don't take that job for a thousand dollars because you know what you're doing? You're saying, because if I come in and say, Hey, for that type of job and that type of project, that's $10,000. Oh, we're just going to go with a thousand dollar person. One, you're creating, you're continuing the systematic problem Two, you're opening you to tons of liability and maybe you're not ready. And that's okay. I know people want to be like, I'm a music supervisor. I want to do this quick. They're study learn under someone, learn from the falls, learn from these different things, have men, have a mentor. It's a marathon. This career and entertainment in general is a marathon, not a sprint. But for listeners, it's have those conversations, right? And it's not just entertainment people. It's when people read things, it's like, oh, that looks so cool. Let's break down. Let's just break down the whole image and say, you know, did you know these people are not getting the same rights as the other people, right? And I think it's about having conversations. And if you are in the industry, no matter what craft you're in, talk about it. Say, hey, did you know this person's not getting the same rights? That's very weird, right? If you work at a network or a production company, you can have those conversations about that. And here's the thing. It's a, at the end of the day, this is a business, okay? I think a lot of people think entertainment's glittery. It's fun. At the end of the day, this is a business. And unfortunately, the business of entertainment has completely changed and it needs to figure out how to make it all work because status quo is not working. It's not working from a financial side, from a production company, a studio, everything, but it's also not working for a storyteller side. If you're a camera person, you're a storyteller. If you're a, a, a makeup artist, you're a storyteller. Everyone in their craft is important to create the story. That's the end of it. So we need to respect our other collaborators and figure out how to make the current world, the current what's happening, how to make it work to the best for all sides. It's a negotiation. There's no, you know, there's no one side or other, because at the end of the day, this is a business. The money has to come from somewhere. And, you know, that means you're going to have to make a little bit of adjustments. But when it comes to workers, laborers, storytellers, everyone deserves, you know, equity, right? everyone deserves equity. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just brings to mind like movies where we all like classic movies that have had so much success and you know the names of the music supervisors, but you wonder like, oh, like they don't have any equity in that probably like their name is known and yet they've made that film or all the projects that we know about where it's like, oh, that music was so phenomenal and it changed our lives. And yet you're not being supported in in that craft. And I love how you keep talking about it as a craft because it is, it is a craft. It takes years to develop a craft. And you've really articulated that so well for us, for all of our listeners, brought so much light to that. And this conversation is just one of the most um I like how deep we can get and how yeah. I appreciate how deep you can go so quickly. Um, that brings it's not a conversation you have every day with just everybody. And so thank you for, for diving in there with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And my hope is that 
as this craft continues to change and evolve, because nothing is, should say, stagnant, is that people that are upcoming in this craft don't have to go through 1% of the same things that we have to go through, right? That they don't, you know, have to worry about protections and those different things. And, you know, I know people don't like to be patient, but entertainment is all about patience. It's all about the marathon. And if you want to be successful in your craft, you have to understand the ebb, the flow. You also have to understand this is a business, right? Which I know takes away from the fun creative, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So if you want to be successful in this craft, you have to understand business. People that say, oh, I just listen to music and put it on there. I'm like, that's not as that's not a good storyteller because there's so many different elements that go into things, including the non-sexy stuff, which is about money, which is about egos, which is about politics, which is about all these other things. And you have to know where to like push and pull. I mean, I've sat in production meetings where for the first three production meetings, all I said was nice to meet you and have a great day. Right. Because I was listening. I think people like to come in and feel heard. There's a power in listening and assessing the room and figuring out. So by the time I did talk, everyone listened to me because I knew, okay, this person's in charge. This person thinks they're in charge, but I have to appease them because of X, Y, Z. This person doesn't like a certain word or language. This person, like, I, you know, I just read the room and I assess it. And sometimes I just don't say anything. I just, I am actively listening right? Actively listening. I think people forget to actively listen nowadays. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that uh, social media doesn't exactly encourage that uh, <laughs> so much. <laughs> no, it, it really, it really does not. And, you know, people, I get it. People get excited. I get excited about a script and a story and I just, you know, just start talking about it and I get really excited. But then when I go to the meeting, I just sit there and listen and I don't say a thing. And I wait, I wait. I'm like, is this a thing I can talk or is this a thing I need to listen? I just need to feel my footing. And then sometimes you say something and it rubs someone the wrong way. And you're like, I need to pivot. My bad. I need to pivot, right? We're not perfect. We're human. (laughs) All those different things. So if you are aspiring to get in this industry, really listen, read. Don't just read the creative stuff, read the business stuff. I read music business every morning, like an old lady. You know, I read every single thing. You know, I look at it. I I read deadline. I check all those different things because I need to understand what's going on in various sectors of the business. That is why this conversation is so important (laughs) because it is not just like, well, if you're an artist, how do you get your song in there? Or if you're a music supervisor, how do you make the best playlist? Like it's knowing the whole, it's knowing the environment, it's knowing the ground, it's knowing the topography, it's really honing your craft, it's showing up and being there ready to go to make the project the best that it can be and not just like uh, your own agenda. And in that your creative process really gets to flourish. This is phenomenal. I I just want to sit here and talk to you forever. And it's such a joy to talk to. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wish we had forever to, I feel like there's just so much more to dive into, you know, phenomenal was exactly, you you know, phenomenal was exactly the word that popped into my head when I was thinking about this conversation. So thanks for having this with us, Jennifer. We, We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I I think these are important things to talk about that we don't talk about. And I think there shouldn't be a stigma in talking about that and, you know, diving a little bit more into different crafts because, you know, all the crafts have their own, their own beautiful and not so beautiful things that go on. 
Thank you. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. A special shout out to Daniel Lim for providing this incredible music to our podcast and Kurt Hunter, our editor. 